you beyond the borderline this is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Beyond the Borderline, a hopeful and realistic look at living with borderline personality disorder. I am your host Aline, I am a person living with borderline personality disorder who shares from a peer perspective my experiences and some coping tips and strategies surrounding living with BPD. Now, you might hear in this episode sort of huffing and puffing in the background, and that's because I recently adopted a very sweet dog called Casper. In fact, this is his first evening settling in with me, and he's quite restless and a bit clingy, and it's a little hard to get him to move away from my face. If you do hear some noises in the background, it's Casper and I hope you'll bear with me and him. Well, this month I have a really extra special episode and a first. I am sharing an interview with a guest who also lives with BPD, blogs about her experiences of living with mental illness and BPD in particular. My guest, Gabby, is the author of the successful award-nominated blog, Normal is Too Mainstream. I will be posting a link to Gabby's blog in the episode notes of this particular episode. And I'm really delighted to have her on the podcast to speak about not just her experiences of living with BPD and being diagnosed with BPD, but also how her advocacy work and creative work through her blog and her writing practice have helped her to manage living with BPD and mental illness in general and how they have helped her to become a voice for other people who might be struggling and to find meaning in her own struggles. Without further ado, I'm going to share my interview with Gabby, which she was kind enough to do twice because the first time we 
had a conversation. I didn't record it for some reason. I was really blown away by how articulate and self-aware and just awesome she is. The way that we, we met, if you will, was on Twitter. I found your blog on BPD, which I really enjoy. And I wanted to just ask you about the blog and how you got started with the blog. Okay. So I started back in 2016. It wasn't originally meant to be like a mental health blog. It just sort of happened, really, as my mental health got worse. It started becoming more of my inspiration especially since I started seeing um, other people blogging about their own mental health issues. That really inspired me to start writing about my own. I started doing that, and I didn't have the diagnosis of BPD originally, so it was mainly like this series called Depression Diaries, where I talked a lot about like depression and stuff, pretty much what was ruling my life at the time. Um, I was eventually diagnosed with BPD at 18, and I did have um, like neurofeedback therapy. I find that a bit difficult to explain. Um, it was like neurofeedback therapy, and I wrote a bit about that as well. But I hadn't really started writing about BPD until I joined the Twitter community, where I saw that there were a lot of people on there connecting through this thing called BPD chat every Sunday yeah. on Twitter. Actually, I think that was my first introduction into any kind of productive online BPD community. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I really liked it, and it got me going with my more informative posts of BPD where I started doing all this research through books and the internet and my own experience. And I really sort of delved deep into what BPD is. I've dealt with the sort of identity issues, some theories behind that, attachment, that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's really brilliant. It sounds like you've really sort of gone, you know, you've really taken the opportunity because I think I um sorry I go all over the place sometimes but I think the things I've heard is that people have different experiences when they get a BPD diagnosis I know for me personally I was actually quite relieved when I was diagnosed probably about eight years ago I was actually quite relieved because it just made sense to me I remember thinking I knew there was something wrong with me but I was just blaming myself and it was it was very very I I just couldn't really function effectively and to get a diagnosis and then know that there was hope was actually quite helpful but I know a lot of people who have gotten the diagnosis and it's very very difficult for them and it sounds like for you you grabbed the ball by the horns as it were and you just decided to inform yourself and and find out more Is, is that the case yeah I mean I was relieved as well when I got the diagnosis because I never really fitted in anywhere and um I was more emotional than most other kids. It was something that was been around since my childhood. And nothing ever really made sense to me, uh, the way other people made sense of the world. So uh, it was a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration. But when I got the diagnosis, it was very relieving to be able to put a name to my struggles, really. To be like, oh, it's not just me. There's something else going on that I can sort of learn to manage. So, yeah. And despite belief, a personality disorder does not mean a flaw in your personality. Yeah, that's a really good, I'm really glad you've raised that because I think as we both know, BPD carries a fair amount of stigma, doesn't it? The, the, oh, definitely, yeah. 
and the whole concept or the whole uh, sort of label of personality disorder. And I think we've spoken before and you've raised the point, which I agree with, that although, you know, all conversation around mental health is, is valid and important, I think there's a lot more acceptance around, let's say, anxiety and depression when it yeah. comes to talking about mental health than there is around BPD, certain other conditions like schizophrenia and even bipolar, in my opinion. My opinion, I think that BPD, there's more misunderstanding and confusion around it than almost any other diagnosis. And I was wondering, what have been your experiences? Because it sounds like there's been a progression for you with the blog as you yeah. developed your own understanding around your own mental health. Have you how how has how has the response been to the fact that you're writing more about BPD? It's been mainly positive, really, um, online because I'm mainly in the BPD community, so there's a lot of people. I did once get a comment from someone saying saying to me that they had a boyfriend with BPD and they found my blog really helpful in that respect. Good. So I mainly talk about my own experiences with it as well as um, my own research on it because. My experience is only one part of the whole picture. Everyone with BPD has different experiences with it, I believe. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really important point that you're raising. I think it can be easy to sometimes lump everyone in, can't it? And the fact is that, and I do it myself sometimes. I've got to admit, but the the fact is that I've met mainly online, perhaps like yourself, through being part of an online DBT group or groups, I should say, and doing the podcast. I've met a fair number of people online with BPD. We are all quite different. We we might have certain similarities, but at the end of the day, we're all different people. We have different life experiences. The, the way that we react or the way that we're triggered might be very different from one person to the next. Yeah, definitely. We all have different triggers. We all have different upbringings, different reasons we have BPD. Absolutely. From your experience and your research in into this, what is your understanding for yourself, if you don't mind sharing, around why you have BPD? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, my parents split up when I was about six years old, and I have a sister with severe autism. Okay. Um, I was always sort of a different from other kids, really. I think through my experiences with my sister, I had more of a heightened sense of empathy. And my parents' relationship wasn't very good towards the end. It was getting a bit toxic. So I think my reason for developing BPD was I developed a heightened sensitivity to other people's emotions. Yeah. Because my sister at the time, she could be quite unpredictable, and my parents' relationship wasn't in a good place either. So I think I sort of became more empathetic, more aware of other people's emotions, and more on guard about things, so to speak. And I think it sort of escalated, because the thing is, in school, we're taught all these things like maths, English, science, which are great subjects, but... As an emotionally sensitive child, I was never taught to sort of handle those emotions, really, because like I said I had such a different upbringing to other children, and I was so I was so much of an outsider even when I was little. So it was just sort of 
growing up without that sort of the necessary tools to handle it. So I did end up doing more self-destructive things, really, because there was no other option for me. And my parents didn't really know how to handle me. And obviously my sister couldn't. We can't communicate in that respect. So I was very much out on my own, really. I was trying to make sense of something that didn't make sense for me because when I was little, there was no talk about um, even anxiety and depression. In high school, it improved. We started talking more about anxiety and depression, but even then it was still a bit taboo. So as I grew up, it was very much a thing that I had to, I felt like I had to deal with on my own. And so I was just so sensitive. I would cry at the drop of a hat. If, and that got me in a lot of trouble in school, as you can imagine. And yeah, more ostracized, like very, I was so overly emotional. I was called a crybaby, a drama queen, that sort of thing. But, um, I found the positives in it was that because I was so empathetic and because I was so sensitive and in tune with other people's emotions was I became a very good actress. Since I was little, I was very good at acting on stage. It was really good and it became a really good outlet for me and it became a way of sort of expressing sides of myself I couldn't really express outside of the performance. That's so interesting. First of all, thank you for sharing all that. And I just want to say, I think you're so articulate and so clear about your yourself, factors that made you who you are. And I, I just want to really commend you for that. I think it's really amazing. Um, and it's a real asset, actually. Speaking about the acting, I think that's absolutely fantastic. And one of the things that I found with with myself as someone with BPD although I've mm-hmm. uh, I, you know I was saying just a few minutes ago that we're all different which we are but what I will say that I found with a lot of people that I know who have BPD is that we're very creative people one thing that a lot of people I find don't understand is that there's this whole stereotype which I think is very damaging around people with BPD being in big inverted commas, manipulative, in inverted commas, attention-seeking. I know for myself, there have been times in my life, maybe like you, where I just, because I really relate to what you're saying about, I mean, my circumstances growing up were different to yours, but what I can really sort of connect with is that feeling of like not, it was like no one was, I didn't know really, I felt different and I felt my emotion so strongly in ways that seemed to not make sense to other people. And I didn't really have any guidance around that. Um, and I, and I really relate to that. And, and so I didn't really have the tools to, to handle all that. And I think if I look back, there are, there are sometimes ways I, I try to cope with things that now, I would probably rather not do that were quite self-destructive, as, as you were saying about yourself. But I think people don't realise that most people with BPD are very empathetic. Yeah. And very, very sensitive to other people's emotions. And I think if that's channeled in a way that's sort of life-affirming, it can really lead to incredible creativity. So I, I, that's something that I really feel strongly about. And I, I am very creative uh, I mean, my background is as a creative, and it's really important for my general mental health. So do you still act? Um, not at the minute. I mainly just act in my room, really. I don't really do it on stage so much anymore. Um, cool. um, writing is my main focus these days. Um, trying to work a bit more my fiction writing skills. So I used to be really good at it, but I sort of came out of that a bit after school. 
So I'm trying to get back into that. Um, but talk about um, the creativity, I think, especially in creative ways that involve people, like portraying characters through writing or a performance. I think we can be very good in that respect because we can sort of empathise with the character's position in life and work with that. Yeah, that's really interesting, and I, I do agree with you. And I think I'd love to hear your experiences on this and how, how you manage around this. Uh, what For me, one of the things that I find with that, it's like anything, it can go either way, can't it? It can be an asset, and it can also sometimes be a source of problems. And I know for me where that has become problematic is when I'm – so this is not my word, actually. It was a word that a therapist gave me. She says you're over-empathising with other people and you're kind of getting lost in the process. Yeah. It makes sense to you. Oh, definitely. I mean, it used to happen all the time. I was always, like, focused on the other person's needs and really sort of lose touch with myself and my own needs and feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And is it your creativity and your writing that's, that's helped you, do you think, to... To, to change that? What, what are some of the things that have helped you with that? Oh, definitely blogging has helped, like, because I didn't, at first I didn't really let anyone in my personal life know about it, so it was just my thing, but without really the influence of anyone else. So it was just me writing about my thoughts, my feelings, and being able to read that back has really helped me sort of make sense of what goes on in my head. And it's really sort of helped me understand myself better. Yeah. I imagine that you must be helping others too because people will be able to connect with what you're sharing. Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, I've got a few comments saying that um, it's really helpful and to keep writing and that sort of thing. And that's pretty much why I keep writing these days. That's brilliant. And can you tell me a bit about where you see the blog going, how you want to develop it, what's just what your plans are in general for the blog? I tend to um, keep writing as long as I have ideas and as long as there's stuff going on in my life. Um, I would like to get to 500 followers. And years ago, I had this idea to Blogger of the Week, where I like, pick a smaller blogger I found and sort of bring them to light in my own blog post. Yeah, because um, without people like tagging me and things, nominating me for awards and stuff, I wouldn't my blog wouldn't be where it is today without that sort of push and encouragement from other people. What are the awards that you've been nominated for? That's really exciting. I can't remember the second one. I think it was Sunshine Blogger Award. Um, the Livestar Award was the one I wrote about. And that's just basically where you get tagged in the, in the award and you get asked questions. So like, why should you start blogging? Do you have any pets, family members, your favourite book? It's basically just to get to know the blogger behind the screen. That's brilliant. I'm really excited for your your blog to continue and to grow. And um, by the way, if you can hear kind of like grunting in the background, I've just adopted a dog. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's sort of he's just settling in. So he's a little bit excited. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you is that for people out there who, because the people who listen to this podcast obviously are predominantly people with BPD, people who are looking for resources to help them uh, manage living with this diagnosis. Someone who's perhaps who's just recently been diagnosed 
and he's struggling, what what would what would be a couple of things that you might suggest to them or say to them? You're not alone. Read as much as you can book wise and blog wise, so look for other bloggers and people who tweet about BPD. I find the best information you can get is from people who experience it themselves. Yeah. And there's this book called Borderline Personality Disorder Survival Guide, and that's good for being firstly diagnosed. It just gives you quick little details. It's really easy to read. Um, Stronger Than BPD is a book by Debbie Corso, and it's her personal experience with BPD and how she decides to manage that through DBT. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah, I like her. There is hope, there is treatment out there, and there are people out there like you who want to get to know you and won't judge you. Those are really hopeful words. And and if there's someone out there listening who perhaps knows someone with BPD or has a friend or is in a relationship, because I do get people tweeting me uh, or tweeting the podcast saying I had someone recently actually who tweeted me saying oh would you do a a podcast episode on uh, being in a relationship with someone with BPD which I I might do in future Um, but what what would you say to someone who's perhaps looking for ways to support someone they know with BPD? Another book Loving Someone with BPD I bought that for my mum that's a good book. Learn what they're learning as well so sort of it can be difficult going through that journey of researching and trying to understand it on your own. So try and share the load of like research and stuff, recommend each other things, take a real interest in what they're talking about and what they're going through because um, that really helps feeling that support, feeling like we're not being judged for something that we may not understand at first. I think that's really, really good advice, actually. And that, that brings me on to another topic, which we we discussed when we had a conversation previously, which was DBT. I know that you are a big fan of DBT, yeah. which I'm going to ask you about in a minute, because I really want to hear from you about that. My experience with DBT, as I've shared with you, is really through peer self-study, because I'm in London and I've been very lucky to get a fair amount of good therapy on the NHS. Yeah, I see a therapist currently, but DBT is out of my price range and I don't get it on the NHS. So I've sought out peer study because actually someone I know with DPD said to me, you've got to check out DBT. And even though I'm not doing a formal program, it has been a game changer for me. And one of the things that I often see in the groups that I'm part of is family members who will say, you know, I really want to learn more about DBC to support my child or my significant other. And I think that's really great advice to suggest to people that they inform themselves a bit about DBT or whatever it is that the person's using, accessing to get support. But on the topic of DBT, at the moment, at the moment, we're in a very sort of unusual circumstances um, with the whole COVID thing. What are you finding is particularly helpful DBT-wise? So I have this book, again, the book, (laughs) Um, the Dialectical Behavior Therapy Workbook, and also the Stronger Than BPD Journal. So I've sort of been just revising my skills, reading through those, looking through the worksheets I got from um, the therapy, 
And um, there's also a DVT support group I've been having meetings with on Zoom every two weeks. That's been really helpful as well because I find it really useful to have other people to work with on it as well. I find it really encourages me to learn more, knowing that I'm not in it alone or doing it by myself. Absolutely. The DVT support groups on Facebook, I believe, are good as well. Yeah, I've joined a couple. I've been part of them for a good two or you know, more like three or four years. And there are a couple that I've joined that are very... I would say very supportive and very validating and also focused on skill usage. Someone might come in and be in a really bad space and be venting and that is supportive and validated. And there's also an emphasis on what skills can you use to to help yourself here. It's an important to get that balance. And I agree with you that I think it's really difficult to do this stuff alone. I think we need a community of some kind. Definitely. One of the things that I decided was look, if I don't have access to a DBC therapist and a live DBC program, there are other ways that I can inform myself and get support. And there are some really good resources out there, which I will post in the notes for this group. And I will post the books that you mentioned also for people who are listening, uh, links to those. But that all sounds so positive. So so what are some of the skills at the moment that you're finding helpful? Um, I've been using Accept, mainly mainly the self-soothe activities, and contribution part. Yeah. I've been doing volunteering every week. I've been distracting myself. I've been writing to help myself in the activity-wise, express myself and sort of give me something to do. Yeah. And because um, mainly in these times, it's mainly just I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs, so I've really got to, like, really engage in online communities and find stuff to do activities wise and I like being able to contribute for people and help people who are in similar positions as me like I've helped people facing loneliness and depression and stuff like that during these times and it really sort of helps to know that you're there for someone else. I know what you're talking about obviously because I use the accept skill myself and I find it incredibly helpful for, for someone who's listening who who's not exactly aware of what that is, can you just give like a brief outline of activities and um, contribution that you're using? Okay, so activities is just basically anything that you can put your mind to that distracts you enough from the painful emotion. So yeah. something that you can engage with and something like reading, if you can, puzzles, colouring, I find puzzles are good, especially maths ones, because I'm not very good at maths, so I need a lot of concentration for that. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, And for contribution, it's like, it's not necessarily volunteering on a regular basis. It can also be like doing a small act of kindness for someone, just one-off, like making them smile in some way or making their life a little bit easier. And that sort of helps you come out of yourself a bit. And remember that you're not alone in your struggles. I have done a lot of volunteering work, which has been so helpful. It's helped me to get out of myself. It's helped me to actually meet people with with similar interests. And it sort of takes the focus off me and my problems. That's what I find. There's a sort of common goal or a common sort of interest that all of us have. And, And, yeah, I found it a tremendous 
tremendous help to you volunteering. And I, as you say, I think it doesn't have to be volunteering. It, it could be picking up the phone to someone to say hello. When the whole lockdown started, there was someone, I can't remember if this was someone who tweeted me or it was in one of the groups I'm part of, but what she was doing is she was making handmade cards for her neighbours to put through their their letterboxes just to say hi and I hope you're okay and I thought that was such a lovely idea and you can you can be quite creative can't you and how you contribute to other people's lives yeah it's really good and it gives you something to do as well yeah absolutely absolutely well it's, it's absolutely brilliant to chat with you Gabby and I just wanted to ask if there's anything else you'd like to say or, or share or the, the floor is yours just remember that you are not alone and the world is changing especially during these times but especially in mental health we're starting to talk about mental health a lot more and it's important your voice matters really even if you just say something small um or just speak to one person about mental health that really helps the movement and that really helps sort of make people feel a bit more safer talking about mental health and sort of stamping out the stigma really so your voice is important your feelings are valid and you are not alone amen to that i don't think i need to add anything to that i really want to thank you for speaking with me today i'm delighted to have you as a guest on the podcast and i hope you'll be able to come back again and talk about other stuff in future I'd love that. Thank you for having me. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Gabby. And of course, I will be linking her blog and the books that she mentioned in the episode notes. Please go and check out her blog and support it. It's so important to support independent bloggers who are talking openly about mental health and in particular the more stigmatized areas of mental health like borderline personality disorder. I will definitely be having Gabby back on the podcast as a guest to talk about DBT specific subjects if she is free in future. Well I'm going to end this episode as always by thanking you for listening I would really love it if you could take two or three minutes to write a review of this podcast on the podcast network via which you listen to it, whether that's iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spreaker. Please just go and pop a review there because what that does is it really helps this content to reach people who may benefit from it. The more reviews the more exposure the podcast get and it's a free and quick way of helping the podcast out. I also want to share before I leave a lovely voicemail from one of the podcast listeners. Oh hi Aileen, Um, I only have one minute so I better make this quick. I'm recording this totally off the cuff. Um, My name is Kim and I have, well, I have some of the symptoms of borderline personality disorder. Um, I find your podcast really, really helpful. Um, and I'm particularly interested kind of in the idea that self-care and self-compassion kind of lies at the root of, of how to kind of live with this in a positive way. And I think sometimes a lot of the problems like maybe 
um, sorry, other people. And uh, I guess not being able to manage our emotion is because we lack self-compassion. So that might be an idea for um, an episode. Thank you so much for um, your work. And I found it really, really helpful. Um, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. That is a really lovely message. I very much appreciate it. And I think that's an excellent idea for a topic because I am with you that self-compassion is a very important aspect of managing BPD. We can be extremely hard on ourselves. And with the stigma that often accompanies BPD, that can be a pretty toxic mix. So I love the topic of self-compassion. Thank you for suggesting that. And I will leave it there for this month. As always, I wish you a peaceful 24 hours ahead and at the very least, a few peaceful moments in your day. Peace out.